Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of BCS Community Connections. And today on the podcast, I have Mrs. Luella LeBlanc. Hello. I said it right there. Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, Well, I said it right for the Texas version (laughs) of it. What's the the actual... So, my husband is from southern Louisiana, New Iberia, Louisiana, and it's LeBlanc. LeBlanc. No C. I told her I would totally butcher that when I came on here if I tried to say it that way. But I know that there's probably some people from Louisiana like Tap out there is probably listening going, man, you're totally saying that wrong. (laughs) So uh, anyway, Luella is joining us today to talk about her business and her business is Triple L Glamour Goat Company. That's a. That's a lot of words in there. It so, is. and I, it's kind of funny before you walked in today, you didn't even know this and I didn't tell you, we were sitting there and I go, I'm pretty sure nobody else has taken this name. No. Triple L Glamour Goat Company. Would you, would you like to know what, why? Well, <laughs> would we're, we're going like to talk about it. All right. But uh, so the triple L I'm going to assume is initials. Mm-hmm. Okay. Luella. Louise. Louise. LeBlanc. All right. And then, I mean, we're getting ready to talk about why there's a goat in your... Uh, right. Now, let's talk about why Glamour is in there. So, um, our ranch is Triple L Ranch. Okay. And that is named after me. My All husband right. gave me that ranch Man, name. Man, look at that. I know. And so, my daughter actually named the company. Nice. She is well, that the makes one, perfect sense. She then. is the one that named it. How old is um, your daughter? She is now 16. Okay. But at the time, she was... Well, we, 2017. So she was about 12 when we officially. Listen, I got a, I got a 10 year old and it's amazing what the, the vernacular of the age range is right now. Right. Glamour probably is one of those ones that falls in there. So what we want to do is we want to talk about your business, but first we want to talk about you kind of talk about your background, your history a little bit. So want to talk about where you're from, where you grew up, what brought you to the area, uh, to the area, I say Bryan College Station area, but you're a little bit outside of that range. So I want to talk about kind of where you grew up and then what brought you here. And then we'll kind of get into your business a little bit and talk about it. Okay. So I was actually born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Northern. <laughs> Northern. Northerner. Northerner. Um, my parents moved to California. Oh, okay. To Central California when I was two. Oh, and okay. um, I had a lot of respiratory issues. And did not do well in the Minnesota weather. Mm. So they decided to go hit California, Central California. So I actually uh, grew up in Fresno area. Okay. Fresno, I graduated from Clovis High School. Uh, met my husband there. Wow, okay. Uh, he was uh, I&I duty in Fresno. Had a Hawk, Hawk missile. Have you ever heard of Hawk missiles before? So uh, it no. was a reserve unit, 4th okay. Land Battalion in Fresno, California, and he was active duty, a okay. Marine that was there. And so we met and got married and uh, got transferred to Twinon Palms, California, which is near Palm Springs. Okay. It's a big Marine base there. Um, so we were there, kind of went from there down up to Camp Pendleton. Okay. Uh, yep. We were stationed there in San Clemente, San Onofre is mm-hmm. a section of Camp Pendleton. We were stationed there for a number of years. Went back to 29 Palms. <laughs> um, he was an instructor in okay. the Marine Corps. And so between deployments, he was an instructor. And so we got, he kind of got in that funnel of that was going to be his career plan f- 
as far as the Marine Corps was concerned, is that you are an instructor, you get deployed, you go back to being an instructor. And so we did not want 29 Palms to be... <laughs> <laughs> your, your base? <laughs> our, yeah. our base yeah. of where we were going to live. So gotcha. um, uh, we have, you know, had our boys, we have um, a daughter, and we decided that it was time to, to head out. Okay. So he uh, was offered a job in uh, being electronics background. He was offered a job with a company called Global Crossing, which they're no longer that, but um, to Houston. Okay. We would travel to Louisiana to visit family, and we kind of had Houston eyeballed and or Kingwood, and we decided on the Houston area, and we ended up uh, moving up to the Woodlands. Okay. And that's where we lived from 1999 to 2015. I was going to say, because the Woodlands probably at that time in 1999, it's kind of like a lot of places, like little suburb areas or Mm -hmm. true suburbs. Right. Now you can't tell what's a suburb and what's not. It's like all grown together. Woodlands is definitely one of those areas as well, too. at that time, the Woodlands Parkway did not even go past Kirkendall. <laughs> yeah. It was woods. Yeah. So we were... Um, the literal woodlands at that right, point. Yeah. Right, right. With was, your one road that runs It was up. one road. Yeah. And so we lived there um, till 2015. Okay. Um, and he got a project management. He went... Actually, he went back to... I actually went to school, and he went to school. We both had not finished our college education, and... Um, he went to U of H and got his project management degree, and I went, at the time, it was called Montgomery College in the Woodlands, uh-huh. and I became a physical therapist assistant. Okay. So I worked in the community, and he was working, doing his his career also, um, and we... Now, were, was he still... Act, he wasn't active at that no, time? No, no. Yeah. He got out. He okay. got out at 12 years. He was <coughs> staff sergeant. Gotcha. Okay. Um, he was ready to re-up. At that time in 1999, and his mother came down with cancer. Mm. Um, and so we kind of decided that it was probably a good time to kind of, and we didn't like the direction things were going with, you know, moving. And I was in school at the time, and it was just kind of, you know, really nothing settled. Yeah, well, know? I mean, it's tough to be a military right. spouse because right. you're at the mercy of right. the military, right? Right. right. I mean, you're sitting there like, you wait a minute. Up, oh, you yeah, know? yeah. I'm like, hey, I, my spouse is over here trying to finish classes. They're like, and your point is, you know. My like, husband always said they didn't issue me a wife. Yeah. And that's the truth. It is that's, the truth. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. We, so. We've got a lot of friends that are in the military. And it's, it's tough yeah. to be a military spouse. I right. mean, just in general for the draw that it takes on families just in general. I mean, even, even if you're not deployed, you right. know, you are on call. To what the to what the mission is, right? right? And that mission can always look different or whatever. And so, spouses are the ones that usually bear the burden of all of that. You know, they yeah. kind of hold it all down on the on the backside while everything's going on, on the other side of that. So, once he was out, he goes and he furthers his education. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, he's doing more civil service work. No civil service work. This was he was true Companies. private, yeah. you know, private sector at that point. Right. And so you guys then kind of start your careers out from there, mm-hmm. and then let's uh, let's move forward a little bit and talk about the. At this point, wasn't necessarily a business plan for you. No. This was more so when we when we talk about Triple L kind of moving towards becoming a business, it really didn't start even as an idea for a business. 
Is that no. right? Yeah. yeah I mean, no. it, so, no. so that's kind of where I'm going to lead into the history of this is you, you kind of started dabbling in this how? So in 2015, we moved to our place in, in Grimes County. Um, our daughter has suffered from eczema, and she actually has asthma and eczema um, since 18 months old mm. through 10 years old, severe eczema. Uh, lots of, you know, we're doing the whole dermatologists and allergists and doing that whole, you know, scene with all the medications, sure. Medicaid, you know, food, steroids. Yeah. Um, so like I was talking earlier with you is, you know, so she moved from a school where she grew up there knowing everybody, grew right. up her whole, you know, little, you know, kindergarten through fourth grade. And then we moved where she started school in Anderson Shiro. Mm. And so here's a new kid with, you know, cracked, bloody arms. You know, I mean, it just really cannot control it, sure. you know. Um, and so it, she just, you saw her self-confidence kind of diminish and just really self-conscious about what's going on, you know. And so what do you do as a parent? You're just like, okay, we've tried everything under the book. I've spent, I can't even tell you how much money, yeah. you know on all the medications that you're supposed to do, you know, changing things, you know, detergents. I mean, the whole nine yards, yeah. you know, done it. So um, I got my little first goat <laughs> on a whim and then just kind of just researching what's going on with her and just really diving into goat milk, the benefits of goat milk, especially for the skin, mm. and just kind of um, really researching not only goat milk, but, you know, different essential oils and butters and that would enhance the benefits. Well, and <clears throat> were you finding, I guess, by going to the doctors and stuff, were there triggers or things that were in dietary triggers that kind of would flare dietary, up? Dietary anxiety. Yeah. You know, yeah. here here now we're going into a new school. Sure. People she doesn't know, yeah. you know. So anxiety was triggering it. Um, you know, we're in a new environment, too. Right. You know, in the woodlands, we dealt with all the heavy pine, and mm -hmm. now I'm up here, and, you know, Grimes County is mostly, we're seeing a lot of oak, mm -hmm. you know, and different, uh, just environment, sure. environmental triggers. So that was, you know, that was part of it, is just kind of going, you know, don't scratch, don't scratch. <laughs> you can only do so much, you know, and you, you open, you know, Unfortunately, she a few times even had to deal with staph infections mm. because of that, the open areas. So just kind of seeing, you know, that going on, it's just like, there's got to be another way. Well, and as a parent, it's got to be frustrating. It's got to be draining. It's, I mean, there's this range of emotions that you're kind of pulled in through this right. with her, you know, where, you know, you were saying it earlier, like when she's going through school K through four, there's kind of this acceptance level, you know, kids are not as judgmental, you know, they're a lot more, it's really kind of a weird concept, but it's like the younger they are, the more the blinders are right. just, you know, completely narrowed down to here. They don't see all of this other stuff that goes with it. Not only does she lose the ability to kind of change schools and move up a grade with her friends that she's already affiliated with in that level, she moves completely, and now she's in a brand new, complete grade with nobody that she knows. Right. And so the history of everything that she'd kind of gone through with her friends and things over at this other school are gone. 
now she's entering into a whole other little range of, you know, like you said, the anxiety of new school, new people, new teachers, new everything. And if that's a trigger point, the environment's a trigger point. I mean, it's almost for you, it's probably like a perfect storm of during that change, even though you've been dealing with it since she was a baby. And so as a parent, you want to sit there and say, I'll do whatever, you know, like take her to the doctors. I'll do all of this other stuff. But then also we were kind of discussing, I was telling you kind of in my family a little bit, how when you start visiting with some of the dermatologists and things like that and allergists and all these Mm -hmm. other things, it's not like they all just, they all mesh. Like this one says something over here. This one says something over here. This one offers a treatment over here. This one says, no, don't do this treatment. You should be doing this treatment. And then they put them on a treatment, but then it's a treatment that, well, we don't want to run them for a long period of time on this. I was telling you about like Accutane and things like that, where you don't want them long-term dependent upon this particular deal. Steroids is probably another version of that. I mean, you know, while it may initially help the flare, it's not something long-term that you just want somebody to be on for the rest of their life. You want to try and work that kind of in and out as a part of the process and diagnosis. Plus the frustration of there's not one thing that works. No. Right. And so, uh, I got to rewind to this goat. So you bought the goat, then research, you research, <laughs> bought the goat. I got the goat first. Oh, okay. Um, and so the goat is what type probably, of goat? Probably he's a Nigerian dwarf. Okay. Um, and a lot of my customers at the local will recognize the donkey with our donkey, Jenny, or she's a Jenny. Um, <laughs> her name's Margarita. Okay. With my Austin on top, standing on top of her. And this is an actual picture. Yeah, your first goat. Yes, my first goat. So I got him when he was three days old. Okay. It was a bottle baby. Um, And we got him right after we moved out to our place. And so um, it was, he was cute and blue eyed and. Purchase was with the intent of. Just having a cute cute goat. Well, it's a male goat. So obviously I wasn't milking him. Yeah, I'm just. But. (laughs) I'm just trying to kind of like. He was just cute and I could have him. And you know what I mean? We were in a place where we could have him. Yeah, I was was telling you the infatuation that my daughter has with miniature goats, right? And like. So I get it. I totally understand, oh, you know, where you're going from. My husband's still, you know, we're at this auction and I'm bidding and I'm bidding against myself. And he's like, <laughs> quit, put your hand down. Nobody's bidding on this goat, you know? And that was me. I was that person. Yeah. So, um, had to have it. Had to have them. Yeah. Yes. And so, but shortly after I got my first nanny and she, you know, and from then on, but just researching though was the big thing. Cause I just, I was just frustrated. I mean, I literally, we had drawers full of medications, <laughs> you know, and you just, it's, it's exhausting. Were you, you know? also using, you know, outside of like the medication and mm-hmm. stuff, my assumption is also going to be that you were using or trying to try like other therapeutic products that other people maybe were manufacturing that weren't, I mean, it, I'm trying to kind of vision, you know, if this is my daughter, I don't want to go full blown like chemical warfare on her skin or whatever you know i'm trying to kind of manage that piece of it and there's also people that are out there that are trying to sell their products as you know certain therapy for this or exfoliant or whatever the case may be so 
as far as like somebody like myself that, you know, local, no, I hadn't tried any of my stuff, you know, it was more commercial like a vino or, you know, over the counter, diet, over right, the counter right, therapeutics, right, things like that. To, okay. You know, more natural yep. lotions, you know, getting away from the perfumes of things, yeah. no, you know, trying to really, you know, bedding, clothing, everything, just trying yeah. to get all the perfumes and all that out. Um, and you don't have a hundred percent roadmap as to what all the triggers were. No, I mean, no. even, even having it from 18 months on, I mean, right. you know, it, a, a weird part of this, like my wife changed our detergent one time and, and changed it to tide. And I've never itched so bad in my life. Right. And we literally did one load and I'm not, my, my skin's not typically sensitive to anything, but just whatever was in the detergent at that one point mm-hmm. was just like had me like on fire right. and i was like and i couldn't but again i'm thinking in your shoes like i couldn't put it together either and then i'm right. like what happened like why am i so itchy and then i realized like we changed this and we immediately went back and so some of that i think is has a parent that you're fighting it you're trying to stamp out a fire over here like okay if i can figure out what this is then maybe i don't use this anymore i can put this i can put this in the routine and then as other things kind of appear what have i done different i mean are you keeping i guess are you keeping like mental logs of or changes of what you're using like we're going to try this see how this works yes or no right that one out i I was but um and a lot of people might not know this that my daughter has asthma also Mm. But eczema can be a precursor to asthma. Interesting. And so she actually had a full-blown asthma attack, went into respiratory distress at daycare, and ended up, she spent five days in, at uh, Texas Children's in the Woodlands. Mm. About two, she was about two years old. And so that was also, now, now we're managing the asthma aspect of this whole thing, which right. very, very volatile asthma. So... I had the eczema and the asthma going and trying to clean everything out. She had a fantastic pediatrician. So, and a family friend was her nurse gotcha. for her doctor. So that was really good to kind of get us where, you know, um, trying to clean things out, you know, trying to get away from, you know, you're still buying, you know, over the counter, obviously it was, but trying to keep it more pure, more natural as you can over the counter. Yeah. Dye freeze. Right. Even in some cases, I would imagine like scents probably are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No dyes, no scents. Smells great. It's just like crazy. Yeah. You know, know, and it's hard because she's a girly girl. I wanted to do all, you know, makeup and her friends were doing all the, you know, all the little dress up stuff. Yeah. It's like, okay, now tomorrow we're going to have a problem. Yeah. Because you're going to be flared up. Yeah. And that's what it, I mean, even, you know, people, you know, bath bombs and things like that would just, I mean, she loves them. Sure. You know, the little, you know, little toys in the bathtub. They're cool. But boy, that was a nightmare on her skin, you know, and you just couldn't do it, you know. So, so so Austin comes into the picture, Mm -hmm. you get a nanny goat Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden you're like, let's see what, what is some, not necessarily the science because, you know, you can go on the internet and go down a rabbit hole and find out. uh, Oh yeah. I mean, I joked around on here at one point, like if you stay on the internet for too long, you'll think the earth is flat and all this other stuff. But you decide that you're going to go to the internet and start kind of researching the goat milk side of products. Right. 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 Did that start as just like it was going to be dietary as like kind of introducing it more as dietary first or 
was it something that as you started looking at it going, how easy is this to make? How hard is this to make? Um, I just started kind of piecing. I guess that's what all my soaps and lotions have all the same base ingredients. It's just whatever essential or yeah, essential oil right. or I may do exfoliant in it like uh, oatmeal. Mm-hmm. So it's but their bases are the same. So it's really consistent. Right. Um, and so I started researching how to oh, just hit that. Yeah, <laughs> how to you know, what kind of would work together. Gotcha. For sensitive skin, okay. you know, so I use grapeseed extract, shea butter, coconut oil, olive oil, things like that, mm-hmm. and kind of developing a recipe for the soap and for the lotion base without anything in it, and then building it from there. Okay. So um, that's what I did, and then I just started making it for my family, and I started seeing, hey, this is working, <laughs> you know, this is working for her. You know, we were, we were the guinea pigs, <laughs> you know, so just try really this. try, you know, so, you know, I spent about a year and a half, yeah. um, just with our family, I was handing out his gifts, you know, people were saying, Hey, can I try this? You know, and just kind of sharing yeah. and kind of getting feedback, you know? Well, and you're, I mean, so you have true life happening right in front of you with your daughter. Right. And then you start thinking like, Hey, if it did this for her what could it do for other people as well too? Right. Start kind of testing that out a little bit and giving people, I mean, I'm assuming people, your close friends and things right, like that right, also right. saw those changes as well too. Right. Right. They're probably hearing from you. Like, you're not going to believe like, look at this versus what you've seen in right. the past when you've come over here. Right. What was your daughter's reaction in all of this? <laughs> she was happy. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of, cause it got old, you know, you have to send all these, prescriptions you have to get the little notes for the nurse to be able to apply it you know things like that and i mean she you know granted this is my family and uh, you know i'm not a doctor obviously (laughs) you know but it worked at my house what we were doing and and i see it working for other you know for my customers and so um she's happy and her skin's cleared up you know and we're not using anything what was really interesting, I was telling you in pre-show that, that doing research before we sat down here at the table, I didn't really realize that like goat's milk pH balance wise is about as close as you can get to the pH balance of human skin. skin. Yeah. Yep. And that, that natural ability for it to be able to carry that pH level then interacts in a way that's not harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. You know, it's not working against what your natural skin is trying to do for you on a day in day out basis. Even if you're you're compromised in the sense of having a skin disorder uh, or something that you're you're treating externally, this is kind of the ability to go. Okay, I don't have to worry about harsh scents, harsh chemicals. I'm controlling everything that's going in there. Like in my head, I know every single thing that went into this batch to create this lotion or this soap. And now that we've been using it for X number of days, X Mm -hmm. number of weeks, you start seeing this starting to clear up. Now, the other part of that is, is there are other pieces, there are other materials in goat milk. We're talking about like the fat content, right? Right. Right. That comparatively goat milk as opposed to cow's milk or which obviously is the most common but goat's milk has a higher percentage of fat in it? It does. Okay. It does. It does. Um, and Nigerian dwarf, actually, 
is has, the breed yeah. is yeah, the actually small, the highest. The smallest right? has the highest. Right. Here. The yeah. small. I mean, when you'll find with the lotions and the soaps, they're extra creamy and mm. extra. You get you know the milk itself is just crazy. You right. know. Um, so yeah, the the f- fat content. Um, and I've kind of went just kind of side note, just kind of it, it's already high, but I've also tried to tap in. I just bought a herd sire this last spring mm-hmm. um and he's comes from a very uh, a milking fat uh breeding ground uh background so i'm hoping to introduce even more of that into is there specific <clears throat> dietary deals that you have to use with the goats in order to maintain that or to ensure that the consistency is there so this is a thing with um and i, I pride myself on is that uh, I try to raise our goats as natural as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we have we live on a 42-acre ranch. They graze. So grass-fed. I don't pesticide my pastures or native pastures. Um, and very high-quality goat dairy goat feed that we feed. We have a blend, and that's just given at night. Um, let, thankfully, our weather is good enough that we can stay you know pasture wise Mm. pretty much the whole year they're maybe on hay alfalfa hay just a couple months if that yeah um so uh i don't over you know minimize antibiotics only when necessary warming is um just being really proactive on how we uh rotate our stock so i keep away from having a worm i know where my milk i know what's in my milk yeah by you have the control i have the control of raising you know i raise the goats so i know what i'm giving the goats um and you know i'm a huge animal lover i i laugh with my vet because i'm I'm my own rescue group (laughs) so um as as austin will vouch for (laughs) yes so um and one of the things that i also i dam raise all my kids so i'm not pulling my kids and that's something that's very common in the goat milk industry and 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 the cow industry is pulling the calves or the kids from the dams and just milking and getting 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 so um i dam raise all my goats they get weaned about eight weeks old you know i only breed in the spring selective breed um i don't need 50 million gallons of milk i have you know ample supply thank goodness and so you know we breed you have to breed to have kids to get milk (laughs) so we do breed um but i also sell my kids to loving homes i make sure that they're going i always you know i have many customers that have bought goats from me so um i was asking you earlier i said (laughs) you know how many goats do you have and you kind of (laughs) just kind of sheepishly looked at me he's like i've got 17 right i have 17 kids oh we have actually 30 we're up to 30 oh see i missed that part of our conversation i'm thinking this whole time you've got 17 no we had we have had i just had numbers 15 16 17 yesterday so and i'm gonna work all this back around Mm -hmm. so we can talk about the starting of the business here but so you've got as you're going through and you're producing milk from from your goat, we'll call it mm-hmm. the goat farm, right? Mm-hmm. As you're going through and you're producing that, is there a stability with what it is that you milk? Like, will it hold for a certain longer period of time? Or 
Like once you take that in, do you have a certain amount of time that you've got to then convert that over? I do. Um, so my lotions are paraben, alcohol, and formaldehyde free, and I use a mild preservative. So shelf life on my lotions, two to four months. Okay. Okay. And so it's all, you know, all on there. So, um, soap, I cold process, um, and that milk actually I freeze. Okay. Because of the process that I use lye and I do, a, you know, when I, when I am producing that, it actually is better be, that the milk be frozen. Um, it controls the temperature a little bit better because it can burn the milk and ruin your batch of soap. So, um, and with my cold processing, it's six weeks. I cure my soaps at least six weeks. So that time is used, you know, on the curing racks. Um, you produce the milk. You're making the soap. You, you know, I pour my molds, and then they sit, and you wait. And then I can, you know, sell from there. So it's a it's a slower process. It makes a harder soap. Right. So we, we have some friends who made soap in the past. Mm-hmm. I think most people are under the perception, like, you can just go from, like, here to soap, right? Like, there's not this long period in between. I was amazed to find out, again, that curing process mm-hmm that it has to sit before it's ready to be cut and, and blocked up and everything else and then repackaged in their particular situation, you know, again, was about six to eight weeks. Right. You know, so then it was always the idea, like, the soap that this that she created was incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we and again, it's kind of an all-natural, essential mm-hmm. oils-based, and uh, it'd be like, man, I need more of that. And she's like, mm. <laughs> So I've sold a whole lot of soap and it's going to be a little bit like, you know, I've got some that's curing right now. It'll be ready in about two weeks. Yeah. And you just don't think about that concept for most people who, if you're coming off of commercial soap right. and you go to something that is organic, that's kind of where we'll, we'll toss that hat in the ring with, I guess. Um, and that is all natural. Now, all of a sudden the processes behind that looks a lot different you're not you're not mass producing this right. you know you're trying i think to an extent from what i'm hearing from you is you're trying to control quality by also controlling quantity like there's such a thing as overproducing and time starts ticking if you pop out whatever 500 bottles of lotion and you right. know that it's got x shelf life on right. there well you want to make sure that i'm like I don't want this stuff sitting around in my house. And by the time I've, I've gotten to these bottles to sell, I've lost a month and a half or two months of date time off right, of there. Right. So it's also then learning like what, you know, what my turnaround time is for supply and demand, right. you know, that I keep enough that I can have the supplies that I need to produce it. But the, the demand may go up or down based on events time of year, seasonalities, right. I would imagine probably, and again, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of retail, you know, working retail for all of those years, we would see increases in lotion sales happen during the fall and then into the winter right. where your skin naturally is the most dry and where naturally, you know, the weather is changing depending on what part of the country you live in. Right. Fall for us sometimes feels like summer as well too, but you know, the idea is, is that there's probably going to be a tick up or an increase on that. So you've worked this product with your daughter. You've started giving some of this stuff to your friends mm-hmm. so that they can mm-hmm. use it. You're now, re- you're receiving feedback from those folks that you're kind of giving this to. Yeah. And what is the feedback that you're getting? I you mean, need to sell us. Yeah. 
so I was like, okay, you know, I mean, you just kind of, you don't know the, I had, you know, just given it to people, I hadn't done a market, I hadn't, yeah. you know, I don't, is there 5 million people selling the same thing, which there's a lot of soap vendors, you sure. know, what makes you different from everybody else? Right. And so that's kind of where I was at, but um, lots of encouragement uh, from friends and family. And so I started my LLC, you know. So daughter names the company. She did. And you start. She pro- actually made the original logo also. All right. <laughs> She's an artist. Okay. Uh, you know, I love my daughter to death. Uh, she, she drew a picture the other day. She's like, I'm going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture that I want you to sell for me so uh-huh. I can make some money. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. So I go to work, I come home, and there's a little, I think I talked about this, and it might have been with Beth uh, Simons. We were talking about I come home, and she's got this little you know, laid-out uh, canvas that she's drawn on, and I'm like, what is that? And she goes, Daddy, <laughs> hello, it's an ostrich. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's an ostrich. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, it would definitely, if my daughter had designed a, a, uh, a logo, it would be abstract for sure. So <laughs> so you decided you're going to jump off into this. Uh-huh. Where do you start? I mean, because you've obviously got friends. You can have word of mouth there by letting them, you know, try it. But where where is your step-off point on this? Is it is it farmer's markets? Is it little stores? Is it you set up a table at certain events? So I think the probably the first market I did it was you know spring actually more summer mm. I found out that they have a little farmers market in Huntsville okay in the you know parking lot it was like five dollars for any as many markets as you want to go to and so I did that um, and then I think my my not think I know my first really market market was at the local here. And Brian. Okay. And um, I was there when it started, <laughs> when we were back in the parking lot, and it was rose. I don't know if you ever went to that market. When yeah. That, and it was god-awful hot. <laughs> yeah. And we were lined up, like, you know, and so we were all lined up in the parking lot, and that's really my first full-on market. What's interesting about those places, especially, like, local farmers' markets and stuff is – they tend to be frequented by the same people mm-hmm. every week and they notice when somebody's new right. or when something changes or a new product line comes out because they've constantly look at this first table or maybe they're purchasing from them or whatever. So you set up that first time. Is it that idea? Like people are coming up to you like, Oh, I've never oh, heard. Yeah. Then, yeah. Then they see the name and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Triple L glamour. Goat well, Company. And it was, you know, if it wasn't warm, it was okay. But people pretty much were sweating and just trying to make quick run. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. just so hot on the gravel. So, um, yeah. So I set up there, and that's kind of where you're saying, you know, you know, when I first started, it was like, oh, I can make this lotion. I make fifty million different types of lotion. Mm-hmm. You know, but in reality, it whoops, in reality, it can't keep. You yeah, know, and sure. so, you know, just trying to find out, you know. What's my top sellers? What yeah. am I going to, you know, troubleshooting that in my head and justifying, you know, of course I can always, lotion is um, huge for my company. It's what I'm probably best known for is lo- my lotions. Yeah. And so, um, and it's something that I can produce and I produce 
pretty easy. Just need a few days, if that. Yeah, there's um, not this cure. There's time not like a cure soap. time on it. Um, so that is something where then I can specialize and do. You know, if I have a special request or anything like that, I can do that. Where you know, soap. I have. I don't. I don't know if you checked back, but I make over thirty different varieties of soap mm. to include. Um, shampoo bars, which has become very popular, especially here at the local um, with my customers. Yeah. The college students are, you know, they're loving it because it's easy. Yeah. It's economical. It's long lasting. And especially for, you know, if you have dandruff issues, eczema, mm -hmm. psoriasis customers, I, um, I produce four different shampoo bars and they love them and they, they work. Scenting out product like getting the senses that are you taking most of those and creating like scents on your lotion through essential oils mm -hmm. is kind of how you scent those products out because yes. you want to ensure again that your goal is is to still keep chemicals out of it right. keep it all natural ingredients that you know are high quality ingredients that you're controlling um how how long did it take you to perfect your recipe i guess like you go through batches and i kind of understand like your your daughter's kind of your guinea pig at this right. point right and then you start you know hey this worked really well on my daughter and then i gave a few of these to the friends how many more times are you going back to the drawing board of like if i put a little bit more of this or a little less of this in there to so it's all ratios your... of the oils you know they all interplay even your essential oil yeah can throw your whole recipe off yeah you know because of the content lemongrass is essential oil that can give you problems you yeah. know um sandalwood yeah essential oil is another one i'm gonna imagine as well too your supplier for essential oils probably makes a difference as well too it does so i actually um get all my essential oils it's a fair trade mm -hmm. company. There's no animal testing. It's independently tested when when they source and when they sell. Mm -hmm. And it's Essential Depot, which is, that's all they do is cater to businesses. Yeah. Um, candle makers, soap makers, lotion makers. And that's, you know, they're able to provide. When I make a batch of soap, a large batch of soap, I'm getting, you know, about 37 bars I'm using four ounces of essential oil. You can't get that from a lot of the chained yeah, commercial. You no. know, they're selling you the little, yeah. cute, you know, yeah. $500 bottle. Of I'm, I'm going to have to pop this top off and pour <laughs> this whole thing in I know. Here. They yeah. don't, they just don't make that. Yeah. They don't make four ounce can, you know, and I wanted something that had really high quality. Yeah. And they back it up. Well, and one of the things that we were talking about pre-show as well, too, is your goal in creating this product is to create affordable products. Right. Which, you know, I was talking about the friend that we have that makes soap. Mm -hmm. Love the soap. Don't care for the price. Yeah. You know, because the price is sometimes passed along um, because of materials being used, because it's organic. And really, it's at the discretion of the creator on how much profitability they want in that. Right. And so there's that little part in me, you know, that looks at it and goes, man, I can get for what I'm paying for this one bar of soap, mm -hmm. I can get six bars of soap over here, you know, right. or, and it may not be as good for me and it definitely won't feel as good and it doesn't smell as good or whatever. And, you know, but. Also, when you start, the, the thing that we noticed as well, too, is, is 
the ratio of usage. So like as we get homemade bar soap, as opposed to what you're pulling off of the shelf at a H&B Walmart or whatever, one of your, one of your name brand, you know, been around forever soap companies is those bars of soap are gone like that. I mean, you're using it's like, and I'm throwing it away, you know, I'm throwing it away a little sliver of it after whatever, a month, maybe if I'm lucky. And then you get into, uh, when somebody is creating organic soap, Usually the density of it mm-hmm. is a lot different. And so as you're working through that piece, you notice that that bar lasts a lot longer. Uh, it still doesn't come out. Like in the wash, if you really look at it at the purpose of what am I paying versus how long I'm using it, you're 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 probably not going to make those balance out. You're really trying to make it balance out on the side of how is this product for me personally? Right. Like is, you know, I'm running chemical free over here. I don't have to worry about it irritating my skin and I get the best quality product over here. Your goal though, wasn't to pass along a huge profit into your pocket. You knew that what you were creating was potentially going to be big and helping other families in the same situations, other people with the same skin problems or you were getting feedback from friends who were talking about what it was doing for their skin. And now all of a sudden, do you, do you feel like an obligation kind of to that a little bit where you're kind of sitting out there? Like, I know I could probably sell my product for more than I'm selling it for, but I want it to be available to as many people as possible. That it's not like, Hey, bust out your savings account. Cause right. I'm going to take some of that money too. No, I've, I feel like if it's affordable, you're going to keep coming back. Right. Right. If it's working, you're yeah. going to still keep coming back. Um, I have many times have had young families that, you know, they got three, four kids sure. and you can tell, you know, kind of budgeting. They have to budget. They're budgeting and, yeah. and you know, they come up and they're like, man, six dollars, you know, or whatever, you know. I don't know. Okay. Why don't you try a sample? Because yeah. I make samples quite often. Right. Um, excess, you know, I can't make a full bar, but I can make. Here's what's left. Here's what's left. And yeah. utilizing that for that same reason. Yeah. And so, um, you know, give them a sample and they're coming back. Because, hey, it's worked. Yeah. Um, well, every place I've ever been, every lotion place I've ever uh-huh. been that sells a lotion has a sample bottle out there, right? right? And right. so while it's not necessarily, you know, while your lotion is creating this change in people's skin, uh, it may not necessarily be right there on the spot. But, but when you're using it, you're, you know, if you use lotion regularly, which I don't, my wife does. But she will sit there and she pumps something out and she's like, something different about this. Like she'll be yeah. able to feel right. the difference in just how it makes her skin feel right out of the gate. Right. right? Uh, and that's typically the drawback. But, so there's two things really in her, I guess it's in her avenue of, of deciding on whether or not this is something she wants to try. The first one is that kind of instant feel of using it. Is it greasy? Right. You know, does it absorb well? How does it make my skin feel? And then the second one is always scent. Right. Like this smells like trash. I don't want this. Or like this smells really good, you know? And so I I would think the other part for you is as you're, as you're now seeing a demand for your product Mm -hmm. and then you're going, okay. And I think I heard you touch on this a little bit. You were saying like, I'm going to make this scent and I'm going to make this scent and I'm going to make these and this color or whatever. And now all of a sudden you get how many bars of soap did you say you had at one time? I make 30 different bars of soap. 
Okay. I will not always have them out on the table. Right. But I do make 30 different. You know, we try to, um, I have unscented. I have milk and honey. Yeah. Honey and oats. I mean, basic to, I, which I shared with you today, is yeah. uh, my Cowboy Up, which is a fragrance. I had to get to that mindset. Took me a little while, but not everybody wants essential oils. Right. You know, they want something that smells good, but it's good for their skin. Sure. So, you know, I had to add fragrance in there, just fragrant scents, just to appeal to, you know, the husbands there, yeah. or, hey, I want to buy it for my, you know, husband. Yeah, or, man, don't bring me no lavender bar soap no, or anything you know, along those so lines. So I had to do that part of it. Yeah. But, you know, I do have fragrances, and I tell people that, you know, I do have fragrant scents, and I do have, you know, we have um, a garden. I've utilized, you know, cucumbers and mint and things from our garden right. into my soaps um dewberries from our property i make a soap that utilizing those it's a beer and dewberry soap mm. um so some unique things beer beer dewberry. beer is fantastic for your skin <laughs> so you know so it's kind of hot outside i'm starting to, <laughs> starting to get a little parched over here so yeah so do you know do do uh, dewberry and beer <laughs> can't even talk now um but yeah, so you kind of you have to you have to appeal to what your customers are asking for um, in you, that part of it. What do you think your baseline is for women to men? Ninety five to five. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I do have some avid, avid men uh, shoppers, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, just in general, I mean, I'm not the I'm not the avid soap picker. Uh, I may pick my shampoo that might be about as deep as I get into yeah. it, you know, and then if my wife kind of tries something now, my wife is the first one to be sitting there going, you got to try this. Like, yeah. you know, and she's yeah. throwing a bar of soap at me or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it was it, with our friends that made the bar. soap. it started with a sample. Yeah. It started like, you know, at first, cause I think the bar soap that she was selling was like $9. Yeah. And I was like, wow. That's a, you know, me, I'm looking at it like, that's a big investment for a bar. So, you yeah. know, but then I took it home and I'm like, this lasts a lot longer than any bar of soap that I've had. Right. But then I'm also sitting there going, this actually smells pretty good. Yeah. You know, the essentials and everything else that's built off in there. And so I'm thinking in your world, it's kind of the same deal. Like if you can't hook them with a sample, at least if maybe you get them with the first sale, the second's not that difficult because you know your product is quality enough and is going to probably produce that repeat sale seventy five percent of the time. Yeah, you yeah, know, I yeah. mean, some people may just be trying it just to try it, and they, you know, uh, the the one part about a guy is is you, you can go in my shower at any given time, and I have. One type of soap, one type of shampoo. You can look over at my wife's stuff. She got four shampoos. She got another, you know, six soaps that she's using, you know, and it's, you know, this is my, if I'm doing this soap, this is my after I work out soap, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, so, um, so, and I think women are more adept to trying different things. And a guy kind of gets into the deal like, you know, and, and and I'm generalizing here. I mean, but for me, it's like, does it clean my body? Does it smell okay? I think we're good to go. Yeah. You know, I don't, at the end of all of it. Now, I have had some soaps that I've taken. And when I get done, especially the ones, name brand, cheaper, yeah, with chemicals in it. And I get done and I can literally like scratch my name on my skin. I do. They dry you know? you out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it smelled good. Yeah. When I was done, I was like, man, it smells pretty good. Then I get done, and I'm like, wow, man, I'm kind of itchy. And yeah. I'm not itchy from having a skin problem. It's just that the chemicals that are in there are drying out my skin. They're not nourishing it. 
And I'm kind of sitting over there like, well, you know, I got to tough this out. I got seven more, seven more bars in there that I got to get through, you know. And, well, and that's the same with lotions, you know. They add a lot of alcohol, a lot of preservatives yeah. in them, and that's what keeps you coming back because it's drying your skin out, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so that's always something to look at, you know. People, you know, I always thought, hey, goat milk, lotion, it's all the same. It's not all the same. Right. You know, and just like soaps, you know, you, we talked about I cold process my right. soap and allow curing. There's many vendors and, and people that sell soaps. They, uh, it's a process called hot process. Mm. So it kind of pushes it through the curing process, speeds it up. So you're looking at two weeks, not six to eight weeks. Sure. So that's, you know, that, that's the difference on some of the soap makers, you know, that, that come around. So um, it's just, but those are things that people, you know, we just, I didn't think about these kind of things before I got started. Yeah. You know, how's, how's that really made? And I know a lot of, I got, especially during, you know, COVID times here, I got a lot of texts and emails from folks and they're at home and you got time to research things yeah. and looking at like, I'm going to clean my house out with all this stuff going on, you know, like going more natural on some yeah. things, you know, and taking that time. Well, what I'm amazed to see is like when you go down the soap aisle at your local grocery atorium, right? And it used to be that vendors paid for space, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm over here and let's say Johnson and Johnson created this line of stuff, they paid Walmart to be in this square footage or to have this many facings of product and everything else. What you're starting to see today is a reversal of that. You're starting to see a shrink down of some of the major brands and you're starting to see four foot cut-ins, eight foot cut-ins of local vendors or smaller business vendors that are in a certain line, an avenue, maybe it is that it's, you know, organic, scent free, you know, all natural. They're getting into like this line of of products that you're starting to see pop in a lot more regularly. Uh, and they stand out because they're not, they're not, they're also not packaged just, you know, they're not packaged on a major production line where all of it looks the same. Right. Somebody's created a logo that their daughter has drawn or whatever. Right, yeah. And, you know, put it on, put it on the deal. It looks like somebody took the time and effort to package this out for their customer individually which in a lot of cases for a lot of these small businesses is the case. I mean, right. you're not you're not creating your stuff and then sending it no. off for packaging. You're doing no. all of it. Yeah, we package everything. Yeah, so from start to finish, it never leaves really your site. No. And so you have quality control from start to finish. And so, again, as you produce these deals, and I, I want to touch base back on this because we talked about the pH level for goat milk. Um, and But the other things that's tied in with that as well, too, the antioxidants. Mm-hmm. The it's a natural exfoliant, yeah. lactic you know, acid, lactic acid, so it sheds away dead skin cells, yep. even out skin tone. So that's where blemishes, you know, acne, yeah, um, the eczema issues, psoriasis, yeah. things like that, Little discoloration, discoloration, sunspot sun discoloration, and helps people see a change okay. um, using a goat milk based product, yeah. What else have I left out? There's something else. Natural occurring vitamins. Okay. Okay. That's in the milk. It's right. not, we're not adding, you know, adding those things high in fat. Yeah. Um, so it holds in moisture. The pH uh, helps with that. Um, just, it's really, there's such a difference. 
And for you, you were talking earlier about like when we were talking about the fat that's in there, it's a mm-hmm. butter fat base mm-hmm. that's right, in that right, milk. Right. One of the highest content of any milk that you're going to be right. able to produce. Higher than the big Nubian, the, right. which are the traditional milking goats that right. you see goat milking goats, very large goat milking goats. So as you put this into the market, and you're you're hitting up like the little whether it's the local farmers markets the the little vendor stands that you've got now all of a sudden you're getting a little bit of traction on that Mm -hmm. you're getting people who are interested in repeat business with Mm -hmm. you is that also how you found some of the collaboration uh, sites that you were able to put your product into other storefronts yes okay so of course, I was at the local. Um, I do business in Montgomery, okay. historic Montgomery, and I'm in a store there. Um, and she actually started out as my market manager, running a market. She wanted to run a market. Um, it's Montgomery Sip and Stroll, so it's on a weekday, Thursday evening. Um, she wanted to have local, local handmade local vendors. Right. And so that's that market. And ended up being in her store. She... Um, has an area it's called uh, Montgomery Mercantile, mm-hmm. and that's all she has in there. Are to include meat, a local grass-fed beef. She carries a lot of local product. Um, okay. So doing that, um, actually, a customer really. I've been trying to find a, a really good spot for me to uh, be in here in Bryan College Station. Of course, with COVID, everything was so crazy. Yeah, um, sure. But also that where my products would probably be uh, appreciated, uh, people would want to seek out more. Yeah. Um, so now I'm at Village Foods and Pharmacy. Okay. And so I'm there with those guys, and they're selling uh, several of my different, uh, you know, unscented lotions and soaps. They have a nice selection. Um, and that was actually a per quest of a customer who had moved um, from Navasota to Bryan, and she's having to kind of meet me, you know, it didn't work out time-wise right. um, at the local. And a lot of folks, they like to order, but they don't like to order. They like to have their hands on it, you sure. know, and a place to go to if they last minute want to grab something or they're out. Um, so that worked out really well for me. So The challenging part, I think, <clears throat> this is where... You know, this is where my knowledge of corporate business as opposed to meeting up to local vendors, kind of where the rubber meets the road here. A lot of the times in larger supermarkets, uh, grocery stores, big chains, uh, there are so many hoops that they're going to make that vendor jump through. Not just the idea, like it usually starts with kind of a quick like, hey, so I'm selling this, want to know if maybe you'd be interested in putting it in your store. And you know, 30 years ago, when I started with Walmart, you know, there was a little bit of autonomy for store managers to be able to make some decisions like that and bring in some local vendors, get information and pass that up and get those things done pretty quickly. And then you start running into issues that changes corporate policy. You know, something comes in, the quality is maybe not as good as it appeared or they have an incident that happens with that product and now there's a lawsuit. And of course, you know, go in and sell a Frito-Lay chip and somebody choke on it and they're like, okay, am I suing Frito-Lay or am I going to sue Walmart? I'm going to sue both of them. You know, I mean, they (laughs) both have big pockets, but in a local vendor stance, I mean, you can, you can literally find yourself in a situation as a local vendor where 
what you think is the best thing for your business to mm-hmm. be front and center in this very large environment actually becomes a bigger problem and a headache for most local vendors. Uh, I tell a story about, you know, there was a local vendor here created excellent, and I'm talking excellent pieces of furniture at a very, very reasonable price. Mm -hmm. And we locked onto them when we were with Walmart and we're like, listen, man, we got college kids that move in Mm -hmm. here. I mean, we could sell a bunch of this and we're looking at the quality. I mean, drawers are dovetailed off. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's fantastic. And he's telling us the prices on there and we're like, dude, sign us up. We'll figure out how to get you in the stores. And so we get them into the store. We get them a vendor number, get them into the store. And his first round through the stores, he comes in and drops off 15, 20 pieces of furniture here, 15, 20 pieces of furniture here. Literally by the end of the day, they're gone. And then we're calling him like, Mm -hmm. we got to have more. And he's like, uh, okay, well, you know, that took me X number of days to produce these. Just give me a couple of days and I'll go back. And then he goes and produces double, brings it back in. Day and a half, it's gone. Now, all of a sudden, he's now gone out, bought a shop, has had to move his production location, get a bigger spot. He's envisioning like, man, I am going to be rich. Like, I am selling so much stuff. Now, I've got to, I've got to have people to help me, though. Mm-hmm. I can't do all this myself anymore. So, he goes and hires four guys. Now he's bringing us a trailer of furniture and another trailer of furniture over to this other place. And we literally have move-in weekend for the dorms, and it's gone in two days. An entire trailer of furniture literally lining an entire aisle all the way down to Walmart is gone in two days. And we're calling back like, dude, you got to figure out. You know, that pressure is just ramping and ramping and ramping. Now he's met with a crossroads. Whereas when he was producing it in the beginning and it was just him, <laughs> and you know where I'm going with yeah. this, but now all of a sudden his overhead's pretty small. He can manage it, but now he's got employees. Right. Now he's got a warehouse. Now he's got to go buy bigger tools and, and things to put together faster. And his growth happens so fast that it actually puts him out of business. He, yeah. he can no longer keep up. He can no longer produce enough without adding more bodies that he now no longer has the revenue because everything's coming in is going out. I mean, he's having to buy raw supplies and materials to create and produce everything. And so most people don't ever see the backside of that, you know, and we feel bad because we knew how good the product was, but essentially without intention, we put him out of business by him getting too big, too quick. And, but a lot of folks, you see these shark take deals where somebody gets on there and they're like, man, if I could get here and I get here. But if you really listen to the in-betweens, the problem is always production. The problem is always like, you know, for a few, a few people, they'll say it's advertising it and mm-hmm. things like that. But for the majority of them to get into a QVC line or something along those lines, that they've got to be able to ramp up production to create mass, mass units to be able to keep up with demand. First time they hit the stores, it's that curiosity. You know, like, hey, let me try this, see how this goes. You're going by and filling it up at the store from the products that you're making. And then you're kind of like, oh, that that did pretty good. And I'll go back and make some more. And then all of a sudden now you're getting a phone call from the store going, listen, man, you're going to have to keep this in stock on the shelf or we got to pull it. Right. Now the pressure's on, you know. And so what sometimes small businesses think is if I can just get into here, 
I can just break into the market here. They're typically, though, not prepared for the explosion that may potentially happen on the backside. So there is something to be said also about garnering that quality by also controlling the quantity that you're also releasing. Because you were saying earlier, we, we were talking uh, in pre-show that you were saying that at one point you had to ramp down. I did. And, I did. But it wasn't yeah. ramping down because <laughs> it wasn't ramping down because the demand was just overbearing for you. It was ramping down because the supplies of your materials were becoming unavailable. Right. Or at least the turnaround for those supplies was right. becoming. Yes. So, um, and many of my customers know this. So COVID, full-fledged COVID going on, and um, you can't find bottles yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Everyone's making hand sanitizer or homemade oh gosh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, my eight-ounce bottles were 15, we- 15 weeks it took to get bottles. Yeah. And I had I had supply i had supplies but i also was we were depleting you know and there was no way for me to replenish it at that point um everybody there's actually there was as i was telling you there was kind of headhunters for supplies people were paying outrageous gouging was going on um for supplies and that's not something that i wanted to have to pass on to my customers um and it was it was just ridiculous what they were getting for uh, materials. Well, and you're in you're in a line of fire in two lanes. Number one, and you you touched on it, the hand sanitizer deal had to be mm-hmm. a huge reason why right. a lot of it disappears. Right. <laughs> Not just the fact that that uh, you've got businesses that are changing literally, like you know, let's take distilleries as a good example. Right. They're changing their business model. To go, well, you know, we're not selling tequila, so let's turn it into hand sanitizer. Right. You know, we'll add some aloe vera lotion into our, uh, our uh, <laughs> you know, Z tequila over here and throw it out there and see how we can sell it that way. Yeah. And so, but then again, they're not producing in huge glass bottles. Now, all of a sudden, they need those little small, small bottles similar to the ones that you're utilizing. Right. Everybody and their grandma was trying to turn into a, a, a sanitizing supplier at some point. Right. Then the materials themselves also, you know, if they're plastic, they're going to typically be petroleum-based. Right. So fuel prices go up, price cost goes up on bottles. And again, you find yourself as as the creator of, you know, I'm trying to keep this cheap and reasonable for my customers and, still make it profitable for me to do this. I'm not trying to turn this into a 5013C nonprofit organization either that I'm paying for what it is that I'm doing. But I also need to ensure that I can get all of the supplies to meet the demand on the backside here. And so what normally took you, you said two weeks for turnaround to get bottles turned into. Yeah. Just maybe two weeks yeah. would be now. I mean, literally, I would order and they would be sent out the next day, maybe. Yeah. So, and then just, you know, three days shipping. Yeah. Depending into, on where they're coming from. Right. Turn into 15 weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. And good luck. Yeah. You know, I mean, literally, I heard that. Good luck. Yeah. You know. Well, and and how many other small businesses, what, whatever it is that you want to put it into. If you want to put it into, we were talking about, like, to-go materials for yeah. for restaurants, right? Like, just take something as simple as a, a styrofoam clamshell that is a to-go clamshell for most businesses. If you have a dine-in process for your restaurant and with no drive-thru, 
and you had to pivot to turn into drive through because you could no longer do dine-in. Right. Now, all of a sudden, that business has to go out and has to buy clamshells. And you still have businesses that clamshells is a part of their model mm-hmm. because they're doing drive through or that's been a part of their model for a long time. But how many businesses had to turn inward to go buy products that then they put the stress on the actual chain of supply there, rip it out of the market, then you've got those creators of those products going, hey, man, like our supply went way down and the demand went way up. You know what this means? We're going up on price. And so prices move up. And it's just like anything else. If it, you know, you'd love to think that most businesses think in the model of, like you're saying, I want my stuff to be reasonable for my, my customers. And the more you sell, that's really kind of where that ability comes in at. Like, I can do this, but once I reach a certain volume, I've got to either add a body I've got to add some type of equipment. I've got to add more supply in the backside. I've got to store stuff now that I normally didn't have to do. And so now I'm almost working like credit ahead where I've got to keep all of this stuff on hand at all times so I don't run out. And I'm trying not to pass that along. Or you can be like the clamshell maker that's going, hey, man, can't keep it in stock. You want it extra quarter a piece. And that's kind of, and I hate to be a hoarder, but (laughs) after this experience with that, I kind of thought more of, hey, I really need to have, you know, keep this many bottles for sure. And not only, you know, the 15 weeks, of course, like everybody else, businesses were closed down, Mm -hmm. you know, people went remote, you know, just like when I'm calling for my oils or my bottles, they're in, you know, skeleton crews at their warehouses they're pulling orders as quick as they can, you know, so that part of it was going, shipping was delayed, yeah. you know, things like that. And so it's all the obstacles that everybody else was kind of going through. It's whether or not, you know, I kind of just made that determination. I have customers, of course, they would send them, you know, online, doing some online, Yeah. but my markets are closed down at this point. I mean, nobody's doing markets at all. There's, yeah. you know businesses are closed down they're not people aren't going in to shop at stores right you know and so we're kind of in the same boat as everybody else and deciding okay what do i need to do to at least keep it you know that throttle <laughs> yeah. you know yeah you don't want to completely shut no, the well no, off no no so you know keep it keeping that throttle going but still you know realizing that i can't i don't have any control over i only control what's going on with my in my little you know workshop building what i can see what i can see Mm -hmm. and i'm you know hitting my head up against the brick wall trying to control what's going on with the bottles and the you know all the other raw products that i need to make my lotions well it's why it's so great it's why it's so great to sit here at the table and talk through these as business owners is is you know there was a points for us where you know we had customers that were contacts like we need hand sanitizer right Mm -hmm. And we were getting email after email daily, you know, from companies that just magically like popped up, like, you know, we all of a sudden just became a hand sanitizer. But I, you know, I, I, and we laugh and joke about it here because we said once we hit, I think it was May, May for us, when I had people asking us like, Hey, how's your business going? I'm going, eh, tell everybody, you know, we're a t-shirt and embroidery company that turned into a mask company. 
Yeah. I mean, our business literally pivoted to masks yeah. and, and it was hundreds of masks and we, we had vendors that could, could get it to us. Mm-hmm. So therefore we were able to turn around and provide that back to the customers. But then you think about it from the other, other way around. We also had those customers who were like, man, if you can get a pallet of sanitizer, I'll take it. Yeah. So now we're over here like, who's got a pallet of sanitizer? Like, we need it right now. And everybody's like, well, we're X number of weeks out. We're X number of months out, you know. And, and not even thinking in the standpoint of the holdup is bottles and, and being able to. For some people, it was bottles. <clears throat> for other businesses, it was just the ability to mass produce it. Mm-hmm. That they didn't have systems in place or production line systems in place to produce it in those kind of quantities. It was never intended for that. Kind of like a restaurant that never had a drive-through, and then all of a sudden you're trying to do drive-through. You're right. not going to do it well. Right. You know, you're going to have to learn a system, and you're going to have to figure out what works for you. And so you're in that boat where everybody's gravitating. You can't find a hand a bottle of hand sanitizer to save your life. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, those bottles that are in the market are all scooped up by these new companies and probably even existing companies are like, we'll take whatever bottles you can get us because they couldn't get their hands on bottles. And the ripple effect through there, nobody's over there thinking, man, I wonder how this is affecting the lotion business. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody and their grandma was talking about sanitizer and that was all the focus was on that. And antibacterial wipes and right. sprays and toilet, you know, paper. toilet paper and <laughs> you know, paper towels. And, you know, <laughs> but nobody looked at, again, the long reach impact on that. So when we hear a business that's in here that says, look, I was impacted by this by no choice of my own. I didn't have a place that I could go to. And even if you did probably have a solid vendor that you could have gotten it from, mm-hmm. they're going to look at it and go, okay, we could sell 150, 200 bottles over here to Luella. Or we could sell 100,000 bottles over here to this particular Purell company that wants all of our bottles, and they're willing to buy it at this, you know? And so, and a company would look at that and say, okay, I'll take a couple of cents less to sell 100,000 than to take a few cents more and sell 1,000, you know? So, and you've got companies are wheeling and dealing through this whole event. And so, you throttle back. And then you now kind of, again, I guess a lot of people learned a lot of hard learning lessons through the process of COVID. And so now you're kind of like, now that those things are kind of back in the market here, I'm going to make sure I've got a few cases of this or some extra stock Mm -hmm. of this or whatever. (laughs) You went offline really at one point. Yes. And so due to COVID, but you also had like, there were some personal things going on as well too. Yes. That kind of focused your attention. Right. And so... You you had to kind of dial everything down to take care of your family. Yes. And then that was November, October? November. Okay. November, yes. So um, my husband has cancer. So we uh, kind of, you know, kind of pulled back. It was Christmas time, but, you you know, thankfully, my customers were all very understanding and markets and um, just, uh, you know, doing on, online sales, doing some drop-offs, people, you know, coming, getting, you know, kind of those kind of things. So um, just kind of focusing on family and kind of figuring out what was, you know, medically where we kind of were at, you yeah. know. Um, uh, he needed care. He needed full-time care when he got home. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So uh, very unexpected, obviously. Um, so just kind of doing that and um, um, kind of moving forward, trying yeah. to, you know, as best you can, well, you know. And your world is in a tailspin at this <laughs> point. <clears throat> and yeah. you've got this pull from all these directions. Like, I've worked to build this customer relationship with these people right. who, who trust me and trust my product. <clears throat> And I don't want to let them down, right. but I also know my family's first here in this equation yeah. as well, too. It's hard, it's hard you know, because you, you know, I got, which I'd been waiting a market to be in for like two years. Yeah. And not <clears throat> kidding, the day this happened with him, I got an email from them saying, hey, you want to come join us? Mm. And I was like, oh, my God. You know? Yeah. Like, come on, really? You yeah. know? And I mean, so things like that. And, you know, at that point... And online, I was doing three to four markets a week. I had, you know, a couple stores going at that point. And so it's like, whoa, you know, luckily, I mean, you know, uh, Lake Walk and the local have been fantastic. Um, You know, my my other markets have been fantastic. The stores have been fantastic um, and supportive and you know, orders came in still and, you know, yeah. especially for Christmas and, you know, going and buying at the stores. If they couldn't get me, they were, you know, shopping at the stores and making sure that that was happening for me. So, um, I do appreciate that. And yeah, so we just, um, kind of trying to get back into it, but still, you know, I still, it's ongoing health stuff going yeah. on. So kind of, dabbled you know i'm not back at the local full-time like i was i'd always been a full-time vendor so um but still wanting to be a part of that yeah a part of the well you were i mean you were ready for the jump i mean we had we had contacted with each other about scheduling you for the podcast and you're like i'm sorry i've got to kind of push this down and i'll reach back to you and kind of talk about this all later on down the road which is where we're at today but during that time frame you're trying to shore up the home front, right. uh, not lose the business that you've been working towards building. Uh, but the interesting part, and I think this is again, where local really comes into play and local vendors that are, that are creating a business line of stuff comes into play is when people know that you sell a great product, yeah. but then they also know that a part of the reason the struggle is there because financially there's some things also pulling on the backside there's time that's being taken away. Not only are they more understanding in right. a lot of cases, man, they come almost to your rescue, rescue you yes, know, like yeah. they're out there like, Hey, I know I normally buy like two or three of these, but I'd like to buy 10 this time, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and in their mind, they're going, I know that my money that I'm giving here is, is not just going towards a great product line that I've been using, but it's also going to go to help her with all these other things right. that are going on right now with her family. And and I got lots of support from other vendors too. I sure. mean, just you know, trying to hey, let me put your soaps on my table. You know, even though they're my competitors, yeah. even my competitors, sure. yeah. which I was like, whoa, you know. But just loving, just very giving, and 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 vendors, you know, businesses and vendors going and shopping, and hey, you're like half my Christmas stocking, lit. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So. Well, and what's crazy is, is, is the market, while there's certain things, certain lines of products that are unique to the market, there's mm-hmm. also lines of products that are saturated in a market. Right. But what is funny there is, is that's really where quality separates, but there's always room for everybody. Like right. there's no such thing as like, you know, when you talk about people, 
making their own soaps, like I was saying, and things like that. There's going to be another 50 people that are doing it and right. maybe they don't have a storefront or maybe they you know, they're word of mouth only, only their friends know about it or whatever, but it's not like, you know, it's not like as a business you're sitting out there going, I have to have all of this business. Right, you know, right. it's here's what I need in order to pay for what I'm doing. Right. Here's what I need in order to pay for what I'm doing and pay my bills. Here's what I need in order to pay for what I'm doing, pay my bills set up for future growth. I mean, there's these levels of what you know financially you need in order to be able to take care of your business and insulate it. And then there's also that level that you go, if I can get to X, then I can buy a new this right. or a new spot for this. Or even in some cases for most businesses who started out in their home, they now go, okay, there's enough demand and I'm doing enough here that I can now go full storefront with my name on the outside of it. Yeah. And this becomes the go-to location. And I can envision that I can be putting all lines of products in here and potentially a lot of those businesses, I've got one in particular I'm thinking of that she was doing, <clears throat> she was doing cups and tumblers and things out of her own place. Mm -hmm. She decides I'm going to go ahead and do a storefront. She, you know, sits down and talks to me and we kind of talk through the logistics of it. And I'd been obviously in business for a long time at that point. And she's starting up and going, I really kind of want to know what you think about all of this. And then we sit down and really talk about true numbers. Like let's talk about what you got to make doing this to pay your rent, to pay your lights, pay your water. And then you still got to be able to have enough to buy new materials, new supplies to be able to continue this process. And when we start putting it on paper, it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> and he starts looking at it like, whoa, like, yeah, that's a lot, you know. Yeah. But she didn't go into it blindly. She didn't go into it just going, oh, it's going to be awesome. She went into it with a smart plan of like, okay, if I know that these are things that I'm going to do, I got to be careful not to grow too fast or to go get that new machine or this new that. Uh, that I know will help me produce more because I got to make sure that more is going to be the demand, right. not that I just load it all in with the the brand newest this or the the fastest that you know that I need to make sure that I grow smart so that I can continue the process a little build at a time. And I again I use this as the example on that we put this building together <clears throat> and we probably got too big too fast. It looked great and it was greatly expensive. And so you've got to, you've got to be on the front side of that for us, we had what we thought was going to come and then there was what came. Yeah. And so when you start looking at that and you're like, man, you know, if we could do this again, now that we've already built it, now that we're committed to it, we would have built a little bit smaller. We would have gone a little bit slower in now, where would we be today? It's hard to say. I mean, because we kind of sucked it up and just kind of like, oh, we got to eat this and, and just keep plugging away at it. And we were fortunate enough that plugging away got us around the backside of it. But for a lot of businesses, a lot of them see <clears throat> they don't necessarily test that market real well. And they jump completely in, go fully blown overboard. Maybe they did that in January, February last year. And then, boom, here comes COVID. And that wasn't anywhere in a business plan model anywhere in the no. United States. And now all of a sudden you're going to find out how good of a business person you really are, how much your product really matters. You know, is it something that's essential? One of my right. favorite words here, right. you know? And so <clears throat> if you survived COVID and were able to maintain and pay your bills and everything else, well, 
you know, congratulations because there were a lot of businesses that weren't able to do that. There were a lot of businesses that that test tested their financial stability. It tested their <clears throat> tested their compass of integrity. You know where they want to do the right things for their community, but they also are like, I got to make money. You know, and those two things intersect with each other. Businesses that have created their brand by keeping an integrity in that brand. Mm-hmm. And then trusting the market to support and prop them up. You don't want to compromise that at the expense of a dollar, you know. And I think that's kind of where you're at with your stuff. You're like, I'm not. <clears throat> I could charge more. the The market justifies that I can charge right. more, but that's not my goal here. My goal is is I feel like I can get more customers hooked on my product just by experience, <clears throat> as opposed to you know by the idea that you know if I take this up a buck if i take this up 50 cents if i charge another two or three dollars in shipping you know that in some cases a lot of you know again a lot of people on the backside free shipping when you talk about a vendor that does free shipping especially small business i mean that's unique in in and of itself but a lot of the times the shipping is not fully covered no that's not and the vendor is the one that is usually eating eating it it, you know and so they have a choice (laughs) <laughs> Listen, I can provide a product to you and give you free shipping and make you feel great. Like, well, Amazon does free shipping. Mm-hmm. Well, I can do free shipping too, but the cost of my goods just went up about eight bucks, yeah. you know, because I got to cover the expense of that being sent out. Small businesses also are in that that pocket of, you know, perception becomes really important for, unfortunately, a lot of folks, convenience really falls into a Walmart, an Amazon you know, something online that can deliver directly to their front door, that convenience factor. And <clears throat> you're you're fighting the the five hundred pound gorilla over there that has all of the weight and all of the resources that works against the smaller locations that don't have that buying power. They don't have the ability to lower their shipping costs down to something that's manageable. They maybe don't have an online presence. <clears throat> maybe their online presence either hasn't materialized or they haven't thought it through. I mean, if you didn't have an online presence for your goods going into COVID where nobody could go out, it's probably safe bet you weren't selling a whole lot of stuff, especially if it was an in-person purchase for everything. And it maybe worked great on an in-person purchase, but a lot of businesses as a part of their pivot went in and created an online experience of having those products available quickly because they realized i'm not gonna get them face to face right you know they told me two weeks it's been two months you know oh they told me two months it's been six months you know and so i think a lot of you know like you said you know being in a market i mean i have a lot of vendor friends that maybe did parties yeah you know store parties or did demos or you know things like that yeah you know that that was their money makers yeah that just went out the window because yeah. everything's closed down, you well, know? So you do. You and you you have a product that needs, in some cases, like when you're sitting at that vendor table at, right. a, at a location right. that needs that sample. Right. Let me pump this into your hand. Let me squeeze this in. Tell me what you think. Yeah. And that got to a point, too, though. I mean, everybody was stopping. Even when we came back after COVID, you know, no samples. No samples. <laughs> So then you got to be creative. Okay, how am I going to make the samp? So I used to just have my pumps out, and you could try whatever you wanted. Yeah. That has ended. Mm. Um, so 
I actually now just use the little mini muffin cups, mm-hmm. squirt, and here you go. Mm. And that's how I was able to bypass it. But people had to be creative sure. to still be able to have the customers smell it, you know, taste, you know, touch it, whatever. Yeah. You know, they needed that. So. Well, and you still got to buy the the little sample and pieces that's like that you weren't buying. Yeah, that, that I you wasn't buying before. That I wasn't buying before. But you, you know, you got to think about. It. Okay, how am I going to? I mean, but even sample, you know, just samples cups that i would normally hand out to people yeah non-existent you know people are using it for other things you know so yeah just becoming very creative especially going back into this and in certain areas that i was at markets it became impossible to be um part of part of those areas um because of restrictions you know that you know you weren't people were not allowed to shop actually shop they were allowed to come pick up and leave. Yeah. So if it you either had you had to really depend on your regulars. Yeah. Because those people that normally don't go to that farmers market don't know what you have, can't smell it, can't you know. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're told to get in and get out. Yeah, try and virtual a, a bar of soap. <laughs> so you it's know? not working. Yeah. You know. No, I mean, and, and again, <clears throat> but it forces the business model to change now. For businesses that survived, if it if we went round two again or whatever, at least they'd have a better roadmap. And at this point, everybody was flying blind, and they right. were all trying to figure out like, how can I continue to keep my business operational here? Like, you know, yeah, it's one thing to sell something that's physical, doesn't smell. You know, you can snap a picture of it, people can see it, mm-hmm. but if it's got a smell, touch, taste, mm-hmm. that's probably somewhere in those lines. Man, you're not going to sell that virtually to new customers. No. You're going to sell it maybe to some existing customers that know about it and that are raving about it or whatever. But again, if you didn't build that customer base and you closed down for COVID, yeah, again, you're right back in that. You got you, you become a really creative marketing genius if you survived, survived it, it and and actually in some cases were able to grow it, right? Uh, because you had to find new avenues of doing things. I saw more and more friends that did like Facebook live videos to sell like jewelry and things along those lines, just so that they could keep that market moving for themselves. And then after COVID really the restrictions started lifting, that became their go-to model. Right. It was kind of like, okay, I'm just not going to go to the storefront. I'm just going to do it here and I'll do it virtually. And I'll build a base with my customers to say, I'm going to do it twice a week on Tuesday and Friday nights at, eight o'clock tune in and i'll do this and i'll do a giveaway and you know it's it's changed it's changed the business model in general for most businesses most businesses had to figure out new ways like you had said earlier you got to get creative Mm -hmm. in order to figure out ways to work around it you know and where you're sitting over there like there are signs up that say don't touch this and you know don't grab any of this and and then if you're on the back side of it if i'm the owner of the local, then I'm over there also going, I don't want to be COVID breakout central. Right, you right, know, I, I, right. I want everybody to do well. I want businesses to do well. I want people to be able to come in and use this space, but I also don't want to be on KBTX, right. Right. you know, having you know. rusty Surrettes sub- shoving a microphone into <laughs> in my face, face and, you know, yeah. asking, you know, how this came to be. Right. And so, you know, businesses again, uh, and I think some businesses did a good job of bouncing back and forth between each other, like in these in these Facebook groups and things like that. The communication between those <clears throat> really helped businesses evolve as well, too. Like 
people that were sending private messages through a Facebook group and going, Hey, have you thought about doing this? Or here's maybe what I've done that will maybe help you in passing that along. You get to see those small local businesses almost kind of lock and chain with each other to be able to pull each other along through the process. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and even if that was somebody sitting there saying like, I've got a pretty good following, you know, how would you like to maybe, do a virtual, we did, you know, I whatever. did giveaways with, yeah. collaborated with giveaways with different businesses during this time and, you know, putting pro- my products in and us sharing and, you know, tagging each other yeah. and just kind of, you know, trying to pull other vendors that are kind of in the same struggle as, as I was with, with business and where the markets were at, you know? Well, who would ever, who would ever come to think that like a BCS meals and deals with 28,000 people on the page mm-hmm. would be one of the greatest advertisements for local restaurants, Yeah, you know, but it came to be because it had to come to be, it couldn't just turn around and be it. That would not have grown by itself organically. It would, it would have taken an event to be able to turn around to make that happen. And that event occurred. And now all of a sudden here we are with somebody who comes up with the idea and they're out there hey we want restaurants to put up on here what your daily specials are and i'm going to say what's your daily special for monday and tuesday and wednesday and then boom that thing blows up i heard about more restaurants out of that place than i'd ever heard in my life being here in college station but it also turned and kept a lot of businesses afloat right you know where they were able to do that and interchange with other businesses as well too so 2021, you know, you ramp back up now and you're you're trying to kind of get back into the swing of things. We know that regulations are kind of starting to dissipate and you're starting to see gatherings starting to come back. Vaccinations are getting back into the market. People are starting to get vaccinated, feel more comfortable about going out. Mm-hmm. We were talking about, you know, we just went out this weekend and talking about graduations for A&M and how many people were out and how many people came to town. And, and again, at this time last year, there was nothing. It was nothing. all virtual, right. you know. <clears throat> and so it's good to see all those people coming back. And I'm sure even in your world, as you go back into these farmers markets and local and places like that where you're putting your product back out and seeing people physically come to the table, you're now no longer under the restrictions of them give you this little cup and do it well, this no, way. I still actually a lot of them are still keeping the, those mm. restrictions. Um, I just did uh, – uh, City of College Station had Northgate event uh, okay. we had a while back. Um, so we just did that, and that was really nice. Um, it was parents' weekend, and kind of, you know, that was it's a nice weekend. It do. was a good weekend. Yeah. It was a really great event, and I'm glad College Station is um, really trying to get a lot of those kind of events going, Yeah, maybe quarterly yeah. is my understanding. So that's awesome to kind of see, you know, students out, parents out, people yeah. out shopping, I'm seeing a huge push, of course, open air events. Yeah. You know, sure. Want to be outside. They want to, um, I know, you know, just talking with, um, the folks at the local Mm -hmm. is, you know, this time, you know, last year before COVID, you know, we didn't really, we, we had, it was a nice market. I always do well there, but it wasn't really a huge amount of people out Mm -hmm. And we came back from COVID, and I was like, where's all these people from? You know, all the students, especially. Yeah. And at POV, at their coffee shop, you know, you see it. I mean, it's packed out. 
and they're studying and they're outside at the tables at the, you know, at the Stella hotel, you know, they're, you know, everybody's everywhere. Yeah. You know, they're out, you know, by the, you know, the fountains and out in the open uh, spaces that are there that we have our market. Yeah. And, um, and it's, they had to get creative, you know, now they're not, you know, sticking, stuck in a dorm or, you know, they got to be somewhere where they have more space, more open air, less mm-hmm. restriction, you know. So that area is re- Lake Walk is really, really grown. Um, well, and you can see the natural evolution of of volume of people coming back. Whether right. you're at a restaurant, my wife and I went to Austin, which you didn't think of all places in Texas that would you know be on the other end of the spectrum. We went out and we were on Lady Bird mm-hmm. uh, running the trail. And I'm looking at my wife like, is there a race going on here or something? There are a lot lot of people people out here. And my wife's like, I don't know. There wasn't a race. It was just the fact that people hadn't been outside in so long. The weather was beautiful. It just come off of like two days of rain. And everybody just wanted to be out in the open air. And I think people have a greater appreciation of that now and the ability for them to have more events that are now getting them out into the open. Uh, I know that like... I think it was the first first Friday for downtown Brian mm-hmm. wasn't like hugely packed. Mm-hmm. I think it was kind of that test of like people kind of coming out like, I don't know how many people are going to be out here. here. Yeah. But then the second first Friday after they reopened back up, it was slammed down there yeah. for people everywhere. Yeah. And you're starting to see venues open back up down there, you know, music events that are starting to happen, people that are doing specials around that time frame for first Friday. And again, the people are coming to those areas because of, uh, man, I think it's multiple areas. I think it's the comfortability of where they think everything is at with COVID. But I also think it's the idea of like, man, I've been cooped up long enough. It's time for me to live my life here as well, too. And so being in the right place at the right time at the right event, you know, again, is huge for you. Right. You know, and so, and again, that collaboration piece as well, too, is partnering with people who have a storefront or have a place where you don't necessarily have to be at a table right in front you know give me a little corner a little spot i'll load some stuff in there just tell me what you think i mean what's the worst case scenario for you worst case scenario is you got to come pick it all back up right <clears throat> and you didn't sell a single thing right right best case scenario is is you created a partnership with someone who wants you in there because the what's the possibility of you bringing a customer in that wasn't their customer that they buy your product and then become their customer, right. you know? So, or even if that point of like, listen, I'll give you X of whatever I sell, right. you know, to display it in your store or whatever. I mean, those kind of collaborations will be important for businesses to relaunch back up, or even in some cases to come to market because maybe they're not able after going through a COVID year to have a storefront or to have, you know, an overflowing amount of product to be able to put out in front of a customer. But if they can get a little test location and be able to just kind of, you know, dip that toe into the water to see if that interest is still for there for their product and do that in a collaboration with a business that's willing to support them as well too, that becomes important for both of those businesses. Those collaborations can essentially be a springboard for a company to start its own storefront. But it can also be a collaboration long-term between those two businesses to start something that didn't even exist. Right. One of the, during this time, uh, one of the uh, partnerships that I got involved with, uh, it's called Natural Selection, and it's your farmer's market to your door. 
Mm, interesting. And so he actually, they went around selecting different areas, different farmers markets, uh, different vendors. Mm -hmm. And so they pull, you know, they buy samples from you Mm -hmm. or things that, you know, sell products. They buy the products. They have subscription boxes that they bring to the door. And you actually are able to try different types of products every month. And that was a brand new business he launched during COVID. Wow. You know, but just getting that started, you know, so that helps him. That's his business. I'm in with a bunch of different vendors. You know, you go through and you pick kind of the things that you may want to try. Sure. Um, It's not every month as far as you're not going to get my product every month in your box. Right. You're going to get to try my product this month. Right. And then, but that can, could lead them to your but site. They get a bio. They get a bio <clears throat> sheet yeah. of my company, yeah. and then that's where I get customers yeah. off of website. So be, it a, so be it a creative, yeah. you know. And then they can go on my website and see, hey, she's going to be here that week. If I want to go to see her at the market, or I can order online. Yeah. So that was something brand new for me, you know, something different. Yeah. But um, I think you know, and it's nice because it may, you know. It's here at College Station, but it's also a little broader area because he's more involved in Houston, Cypress mm-hmm. area. So extending my area yeah. and my customer base. Well, and learning, you know, how much how much business am I getting out of that particular that, line? Right, right. <laughs> if you have a landing page they can go to or you can track who's coming back to right. you from that to right. go, is this worth my time and effort and money? Is it not? You right. know, so right. And that, but again, it is testing a bunch of waters in unknown territories Territory. right now of where we're at. So going through the COVID year, which, you know, good, bad, and ugly for you. Uh, and now we're into 2021 and things are starting to ramp back up. Where do you see the company going this year? So as you know, we're in a very rural area of mm-hmm. Grimes County <laughs> and um, happily we're part of the Mid-South High speed internet's coming yeah, in. There you go. <laughs> I'm feeling, take so those this pigeons, has been a transition for those internet pigeons out I there know. that you got. So, um, so that has been a huge challenge for my company. Mm. Is you know we run off a hotspot at my house. Yeah, faster than faster than <laughs> the dial up uh, you know, satellite, so whatever. Whole, yeah, my my um, uh, people laugh at me, but it's the truth. We had Centerlink and. Um, <laughs> They had their box across my road, and every month, we have gravel road, and every month the grader would cut the line to the phone nice. and the internet and everything, and I'd have to call them out every month. So it got to the point where they were offering to put a pole up on the other side of the road and run my wire across our road for us, and I said, forget it. So um, so I'm happy Mid-South has actually brought the internet fiber onto our property so hopefully by the end of the summer <laughs> so that has been a challenge because some of the things i would like to be better yeah and that's one of them that that aspect of it has been a challenge for me um so right now i'm in five stores and i want to continue with the markets um i'm doing some special events we're going to kind of take a break this summer mm-hmm. um for some family time but um uh, you know, doing online and doing the stores. I want to make sure, and I'm always available. My customers know that, you know, message me, right. you know, I'm here. I come, this is where I shop, right? This is where I go out to eat. You know, I mean, we're, I'm at least twice a week yeah. in college station area. So that is not, you know, I'm always around. So, and I've done home, you know, porch drop-offs was a big thing too. I had to 
pivot to during COVID yeah. is, you know, people were didn't want to, you know, meet up. They didn't yeah. want to have things mailed. People didn't know what was going on. Can you sanitize that before you before, throw it and to I me? And I did. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we had we had uh, all kinds of situations oh, going yeah. on. So, um, so I'm always open to doing that. But you know, now happily, I'm at the village, so that's that's going to be um, huge for my customers to kind of grab what they need. Well, and for customers knowing that. <laughs> You try to, as well, with the money that you're creating from the company, mm-hmm. push that money back into your community. Right. Sponsoring events, programs, things that you have that's near and dear to your heart that you want to be a good corporate sponsor of as well, too. Right. And so that money also is going back into the community as well. But they're also supporting somebody, again, small business. They know there's a struggle on the home front that they're trying to help out as well with that. They know that they're buying a product that, again, quality control for you is extremely important and backed up by your name and your company's name on it. Right. You know, so they're investing really in you and in your customer, your customer base that will grow your future company. So as they see the product, see, touch, feel, smell, all the other mm-hmm. stuff that goes along with it, they have the ability to be that customer long-term that says, I remember when Luella was like this small and this, and now all of a sudden she's all over the place, which is, again, most entrepreneurs' business dream to get in. You know, it's one thing to own your own business and run it and do all those other things and, quote, be your own boss. Right. You know, but there's also prices to be paid for all of that as well, too. You know, getting big is great. But I tell people all the time, you know, we're the number two screen printing and embroidery company in Bryan College Station, and we're okay with that. Yeah. I don't want to be number one because number one is going to come with a lot more headaches. And my concern would be, could we do number one well enough and still incorporate that customer connection that we build really well at number two that number one doesn't? That's where, for us, the rubber meets the road. It's more important for us to build relationships with our customers and have return customers who, when they walk in the door, we know them by name. Right. We know their family. We know, you know, we know Johnny had a baseball game. How'd he do? You know, he batted third. I mean, our customers come in enough. We get, you know, three, four visits with them. We're going to know a lot more about them and be able to interact with them on a different level than just, you know, now serving number 34. Right. And we don't have a lot of turnover in our company, so that also helps us in building those relationships as well, too. And that's really valuable when you're talking about that from the customer perspective. If I hook you up with one of our reps, it's important that that's your rep. Right. Not that, you know, well, that was my rep for two years, and now we changed. I'm going to figure out this new girl that's taken over, and she don't know (laughs) anything about me. You know, so we we put value in building relationships, much like most small businesses do. They understand that every single customer matters, and every single customer is a positive review or a negative review for right. them. Every single customer is a positive referral or a negative referral. You know, <clears throat> they have the ability to make or break you one customer at a time. And so when you treat that customer the way you'd want to be treated – you know, as an individual that's purchasing a product from someone, no matter if that product is $3 or $300, you just want to know that your money was valued and that you were valued as a customer in that. So small businesses do a great job at that. That's really the separation in small business to corporate business. In corporate business, it's, 
Yeah. Bam, bam. Hey, what are you doing standing over here? Let's go. Let's get back to work, man. We got stuff to do over here, yeah. you know. And and in small business, it's yeah, I got work to do, and I'm probably the one that got to do it, you know. <laughs> But uh, but I also want to get to know about you. I want to know about this customer that's going to come in. And I want to be able to know the next time you come in that I try to remember your name or I try to remember your company or whatever. Well, you know? and you get to know, like for me, it's, you know, if, say they're dealing with eczema or dealing with, you yeah. know, dandruff issues. Hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, I just had a, actually a lady um, which gave me a great idea. Well, I might explore it. Um, she's originally from Mexico. Hmm. And she's been buying my shampoo bars and just blown away. Well, she's sending some back home to Mexico, and she's just kind of like, hey, this would be something that would do really well in mm. my country. And, Interesting. You know, you know, her mom's visiting and took, you know, taking them back with her, several yeah. of them. And so, but that's like, she's like, hey, it's, you know, my hair is not, you know, I don't have white flakes and people thinking, you know, what the heck's going on with her, you yeah. know? I mean, things like that. So sure. you get to know their stories, Yeah. you know? And it's personal for it's you. It's personal yeah. because I'm like, yes, I did yes. that. You know, it's working yeah. and I feel good about that. And, well, and not know, just that, you can feel their pain because you well, lived yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You lived it and, and it's easy to understand right. those wins. Right. And when they come through, they're almost like a personal win for you right. vicariously through someone else. Well, and I, I get a lot of times, um, I just, in fact, after I leave here, I have a delivery. So it's, you know, hey, I got this two-year-old and, you know, what do you recommend? I don't know what to do. We're kind of at, you know, what, what's working or what, what do you think, you know? And granted, I, like I say, I'm not a doctor, but this is what's worked for us. Sure. This is what I use, yeah. you know? And so a lot of times it works, you know, sometimes it doesn't, maybe sure. it's not going to work, but yeah. it's something natural and I feel comfortable and it's safe and, you know, people, people like it and they yeah. use it and they keep coming back. And that's what I appreciate. You know, the, the, as a small business, the support that you get, you know, they know, they see my quirky videos, my goat videos, you yeah. know, and, you know, hey, look, we have triplets today, you know, and last spring I was laughing because I was all the time on the internet with, you know, the goats videos, and I'm like, I really do work, I'm not just sitting here watching <laughs> the goats all the time, you know. Yeah, but, or you can just create a TikTok video that my daughter's going to want to see I, somewhere down I the road. Know, here. She might like, it. but yeah. So you know, but I'll have them ask about it, if there's an illness or even our family. You know, just yeah. things they'll go, "Hey, how's so and so?" or "How's your daughter doing?" or "How's your husband doing?" or you know, you just build relationships, and yeah. that's that's key. Well, and it's one at a time, and and so if there's one thing that I could tell our listeners who are are listening to the podcast today when it comes to small businesses. You know, outside of, of obviously frequenting the local businesses and spending your money and keeping that money local, the other thing that you can do, it doesn't cost you a dime, is if you like the product, if you've enjoyed the service, if, you know, you had an experience that was above your expectation, leave a review, mm -hmm. go back, go to a Facebook page, go to a Google review page and leave the review. I, I just posted a deal in, in BCS Meals and Deals where uh, I had a I had a pretty eye-opening conversation with a local business person here. We were talking about call to actions for business. Mm -hmm. And you know, how do you how do you use your customers for your call to action? And I thought about that for a little bit and I, you know, the BCS Meals and Deals was kind of one of those deals where every day you can go in there and say, you know, Paisanos is doing this and but you know, all these businesses you get to see. And I just kind of went in there and just typed and said, you know what? Here's what I'd encourage everybody to do. 
today, why don't you tag three businesses in this post? And it ain't for me. I'm not getting anything out of this. Tag three businesses in this post so that people can click and go to them from seeing this, you know, this posting on here. But then go to those three businesses' Google review page and leave them a positive review. And so if those are the three that you frequented this, you know, COVID, this summer, this whatever, maybe it's a brand new business that opened up and you really liked it, tag them in here and then go leave the review. And I started, I put my three that were in there, went and left my three reviews in there. And I know other people were doing the same thing, but that's long-term, long-lasting effects for a business. I think that's where people miss that is yes, you can spend that money. Somebody can come to you and buy that $5 bar of soap or whatever, but ultimately, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the $5 bar of soap and they return again and they buy another $5 and I realize that that's important? Or would you rather go use my soap and if you really liked it, tell people about it on my Google review? That's what I tell people because you don't... Um, you know, like the shampoo bars or any of the products, if if you love it and you're, you know, I, and I tell people that they'll go, Oh my gosh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love reviews, you know, because it may be the same person dealing with the same situation that you are that says, Hey, you know what? Maybe it's worth my $6 to go buy our soap or whatever. And you know, maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work for me. And it, and I try to do that with, you know, small businesses, all businesses, but, you know, if they're starting out or they're, you know, kind of trying to pick up some clientele, that that's something that they're going to appreciate. They're going to appreciate that review, you know, and tell them what they're doing, you know, what they're doing and what you appreciate out of them, especially small businesses. Yeah. You know, if you manage people, one of the things I used to say is, is, you know, you emphasize the positive and you mention the negative, right? That really is the same thing when it comes to a small business, mm-hmm. especially if you have people that work underneath you. And again, like we were talking about, we'd always hope that everybody works underneath us has the same passion and the same level of in, of expectation, you know, right. of the business and how they produce and how they perform that you do when you own the business. And you got to grow those people into those roles. But at that same point, let's say that that, that expectation doesn't get met. Before you go in there and blow them up on a Google review, right. call, you know, get in contact with the, the owner or with the manager or whoever's responsible that day. Let them know what happened. Let them get an op- give them an opportunity to make it right with you before you just go out and just, oh, I had a horrible experience, you know, right. because those reviews become valuable. They stick, you know, like you, you can't remove, I mean, most people are, are maybe under the assumption, like if you, you know, if you do business with us and you had a terrible experience and you go blow me up on my Facebook page, I can't review that. I can't say delete and take right. that off of there. It's on there. Right. And I can ride into Facebook and I can say, listen, this lady was really pissy today and didn't have a good day. And she decided to blow me up. And this really isn't a fair review. Well, Google's going to go, sorry for your, or, you know, Facebook, whoever, sorry for your luck. Yeah. You know, uh, it's hard to prove a, disingenuous or false phony review hard to prove and it takes an act of congress to get social media companies to move on that to remove it so it sits there right and it you know it ticks you down from five to four point five to four to (laughs) three point five but it is also the thing that if you know you have a great product and you know that you're giving your customers great experiences then you see 4.5, 4.6, 4.7, 5.0 right. at 100 reviews, 200 right. reviews. Right. 
And now all of a sudden those customers that are in the market that are looking for that will use that review potentially as a swinging, you know, pendulum to go, well, I was going to buy from over here, but this one's 5.0. They got 200 reviews on here. So they're doing something right. right. And that becomes their deal. It's nothing different than we would do. Right. If I'm looking for something, I'm looking at how many reviews they have. Yep, absolutely. And look at the reviews and what the ratings were. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you get into like an Amazon and stuff like that. I get a little I get a little nervous in Amazon because some of those vendors that are in there yeah. buy those reviews, meaning, right. hey, I'll send you this for free yeah. if you'll give us X. Right. You know, and then there's kind of this little backside agreement. And that's the thing with me that I've been pretty adamant about. I do know vendors that do offer Hey, if you leave me a review, yeah, I'll give, I'll give you, you so a free much one. Yeah. off, or I'll give you a freebie this yeah, or that. Absolutely, all my reviews are my reviews. Nice. I don't do that. Yeah, I I <coughs> don't want. I want you to, out of the goodness of your heart and your belief in yeah. my products, to review me honestly. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't. If I lived I up to your expectations, right, say I it. don't give perks yeah. to get my reviews or yeah. so much off my products right. or you know put you, put you in a drawing. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And if you can be descriptive in that review, that'd probably be the other piece. Don't just be the reviewer that just goes in there and goes, click five stars, submit. Right. And that's all they see. I mean, try and go in there and be a little bit more encouraging, you know, with the words that you're using or whatever. Tried this product. It was great. Had this issue. It cleaned it up for me. I mean, you can do a lot of things in those reviews that cost you nothing, virtually cost you your, you know, five minutes of your time to go in there and review. But it is gold to small business owners to have right. those reviews continuing to cycle in. Right. So, so again, if you can do that, you know, we want to encourage people to do that as well, too, for these small businesses that are trying to recover. And to understand that while your, your input is valuable, your opinions are valuable, good, bad, and ugly, you know, let's, let's say bad and ugly goes to the manager, the owner, to see if it's something that they can maybe change your mind on after they get an opportunity to fix it. Right. And then good goes directly in, and you talk about the experience that you had. Right. So let's give everybody an opportunity if they need to reach back to you, how they can get a hold of you. <clears throat> so we'll make sure I get all this right. I put this in front of me for sure. So again, Luella LeBlanc. 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 Triple L Glamour Goat Company. And you can reach her website at Glamour, that's G L A M O U R, goatcompany.com. Uh, email address triple L glamour goat company at gmail.com mm-hmm. or they can reach you by phone at nine three six nine three one seven four eight nine. Yes. And uh, you'll definitely take care of them. Get yes. them. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Absolutely. With pictures of Austin Videos on the back of the, <laughs> of the, uh, donkey. the donkey. Margarita. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> So, well, we wish you the best of luck. And, again, right. I'm glad that we got an opportunity to finally get together and talk about yes. your company a little bit. Uh, I appreciate you just bringing by a little sample. You know, probably won't go for me. It'll go for my <laughs> wife. But I'll definitely give you a feedback on it and let you all know right. what she says about right. it. And Ladies like the cowboy up also. It's a popular one. Uh, <laughs> and that actually was a market. That was a drawing I did. And that's what I like to do is, like, hey, you're my whatever number. You know, I'm doing yeah. a drawing. Yeah. You know? Or um, name name my new lotion. 
Oh, interesting. And that's yeah. was, that was a customer. She ended up winning that. Yeah. I picked her, and she well, won a basket. You and know? again, great business owners still keep their ear to the ground to listen to the feedback that comes back. And right. a lot of the times, there are things that come back that you can act on and react on right. Right. in order to potentially. It may create a new line of product right. for you that you didn't even think about. Right. So, so we're just grateful to have you in the community, grateful that your business was able to survive and continue forward. I'm glad to hear that it's getting back off the ground again. Uh, I've heard great things about your product. Can't wait to get it in front of my wife so she can try it. And we're just appreciative of you spending time with us coming in. And uh, if there's anything we need, you need from us, anything we can do for you, by all means, please stretch out. Right. Again, what we've got, uh, what we've got in front of you, hopefully, is people who are going to give you an opportunity to show them exactly what it is that you put into the expectations of your products. And then hopefully they get to experience exactly what you, your daughter, your friends and family, your other customers that have been using this for a while, uh, that what all the ranting and raving about is is all good. Awesome. So that they Thank can basically turn around. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We appreciate you so all much. Right. Have a great day. Guys, right. we appreciate you joining us. Have a great day. Thank you.